Hey there, and welcome to Bustin' Out of Breast Cancer, the podcast that educates, empowers, and inspires those impacted by breast cancer. I'm your host, Shannon Burroughs, a realtor who found her purpose at the intersection of passion and pain while navigating her own breast cancer journey and loves giving back to my community. Having worked with so many breast cancer survivors and their families, I understand the challenges they face and the importance of raising awareness about this disease and bridging the gap between the medical and fitness industries. Join us as we share stories of survivors, caregivers, and healthcare professionals who are making a difference in the fight against breast cancer. Our goal is to raise awareness, provide resources, and create a community of support for those affected by this disease. I have a mission of changing the world one smile at a time. So whether you're a breast cancer survivor, a loved one, a friend, or just interested in learning more, this podcast is for you. Let's bust out a breast cancer together and make a difference in the lives of those affected by this disease. Welcome back. I'm really excited on this week's episode of Busting Out of Breast Cancer. We are talking to my dear friend, Shannon Haynes. She's down here in Florida as well. As we know, we, I, I interview anyone from anywhere. So it doesn't matter if you're in Canada, United States, wherever. It's super important for me to make sure that I can get out to as many people as possible, that we talk about our diagnosis, our experience, our journeys to help one another navigate it. And also different things that we may know about that other people don't know about. And I'm really excited because Shannon has a two-time breast cancer survivor, right? One time. One time, but you had two different, you had two different cancers, right? At the same time? They did. In my breast, there were two different cancers for right. sure, but they took it all. We took care of it at one time. Right. So two types, one survival, but two cancers. Anyway, that's pretty amazing. And, and she's going to go ahead and talk to us about her journey and also this oncotype test that you may hear me talk about a lot. So I'm really excited because she has some in-depth knowledge and information that she wants to share with us too. So welcome Shannon. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Shannon. Yes, it's so, really cool. It's like Shannon Squared. To, the Shannon the Squared, absolutely. So for everybody out there that doesn't know me, my name is Shannon. I am 54 years old and I'm a breast cancer survivor. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2015 when I was 47 years old. And I want to backtrack a little bit because on my mother's side of the family, I come from a long line of women who have had, survived, and some died of breast cancer. My dad is adopted and there just weren't great records in 1945. So we don't know anything about his side of the family. There, there's a chance that it could be on that side as well. But my mother um, went through breast cancer in her early 40s as well. So my sister and I both started getting mammograms very young. I think I was in early 30s, maybe 32 to 34 years old. And we started on the six month breast cancer mammograms over and over and over again because of the high likelihood that it was that we would get it. My mother did not carry any mutations, like if, for instance, like the BRCA1 and 2, and I don't have it as well. So I know familial, we do carry some sort of mutation that passes us down in our genetics, but they just haven't. It's not something that's been identified yet. Every year they're identifying more and more mutations, mutated genes that families pass down over and over again. And we're they're finding them and they're realizing, okay, if they carry this one, then it's going to give them a propensity to maybe breast cancer or ovarian cancer or lung cancers or colon cancers, whatever it may be. But as of yet, we haven't identified one that maybe our family line is carrying. But, you know, who knows what the future holds with that. So I've been getting mammograms every six months from the time that I was in my 30s. And I was somebody that had, I'm sure there's a lot of us out there that have very dense fibrous breasts. And so it was really hard as doing my own self-exams to ever feel anything that's, you know, too, too 
different because it all felt bumpy to me. I did get breast implants after I had my second child. So at my time of diagnosis, I had had them for 10 years. So I didn't have a lot of breast tissue, but I started feeling, I guess the way to describe it is, you know how like when you're walking on asphalt and those little itty bitty tiny rocks that you'll step on, right? I started feeling like that. I would have these little itty bitty tiny little hard places in my breast and I would go to my normal, I would do a local hospital here. I would go get a mammogram and they tell me, oh, everything's fine. We're not seeing anything in your mammogram. And I was doing this over and over again. And the little bumps kind of all formed together. And it was this palpable disc that just didn't feel right. And I'll never forget, I kept going back to where you get your beeper, you go and you do your mammogram and you, and then they tell you, oh, see you in six months. And I had a girlfriend down the street that says, you need to go somewhere else and you need to go see Colleen. And this is a girl I went to see. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, because breast cancer isn't just for ladies, but it's so important to go to the place where they're going to take care of you and not where you're going to be a number. And Colleen was feeling it. She did the mammogram. They did an ultrasound. We couldn't get a good picture of it. And she pulled me aside afterwards and she's, it was was a Friday afternoon. I'll never forget. And she's like, I don't like the way this feels. You need to call. And it was Dr. Shapiro because I was doing some marketing for him. She goes, you need to call Shapiro. And I get in the car. It's Friday afternoon. I texted him. He called me right back. And he's like, I'll meet you at the office. I was like, no, 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 we'll do it Monday. And that started my journey with- You're like, I don't want to know anything going into the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) And, And he was wonderful. He met me on Monday morning. And he didn't like the feel of it either. And we decided because I didn't have very much breast tissue and it was very palpable, we were going to try to take most of it out and get a biopsy, do an open biopsy instead of a needle guided biopsy, which is what most women do. Right. And so I went to outpatient surgery center. We did an open biopsy. He took as much of it as he could. And it came back mixed ductal and lobular carcinoma. It was a 3.5 centimeter tumor, pretty large tumor. And I was a younger female. So that started my breast cancer journey. And thankfully it always helps when you're working in healthcare. So I had a lot of friends that I was like, Hey, and one of them, I, it was a girl that I used to work with at Wyeth 20 years ago when I was a drug rep. And I remember I called my girlfriend, Stephanie, and I said, Hey, don't you do something with breast cancer? And she was like, Oh my gosh, you have to get an oncotype. And that's how it started. So I ends up, she puts me in touch with my medical oncologist and I go to a surgery. They take everything out. And one of the things I want to note is we were trying to do single stage reconstruction when I went in because I did have implants before because I, mm-hmm. I opted to do a mastectomy, actually bilateral mastectomy. It wasn't what I wanted to do, but I had 10-year-old implants and a lumpectomy followed by radiation wasn't going to be the best choice Right. For treatment for me. And on my right breast, we had already started feeling those little tiny bumps and we kind of knew where that was going. So I go into surgery. I get my, I go into surgery. They did the oncotype actually on my surgical specimen, not my biopsy specimen. So oh, really? I went into, yeah, I went into surgery, which is surprising because they really could have done it on my biopsy, but we, they could have run it on either one. It wouldn't have changed the outcome of the oncotype score. Biology is biology, right. whatever portion of the tumor is not like one section is going to be clean and then the next section is going to be like, you know, highly, highly invasive and, 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 work, and harder to treat, so to speak. So I go in and while I'm on the table, they 
take, I didn't want a lot of nodes taking out. A lot of people they'll do like, they'll take a bunch of lymph nodes to test them, which can lead to lymphedema. And I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of people that are watching lymphedema is terrible, very, very hard to treat. A lot of times you have it forever. So I was adamant that I didn't want that. I said, do a sentinel node and that's, that's all it. I want. Yep. Yep. And so while I was on the table, they did a sentinel node biopsy and sent it to the lab at the hospital, came back clear. So we went ahead with single stage reconstruction. And then they, what they do is they section off what's left of the node and they send it to the central lab. And I'll get to that in a second. So I was very lucky. I, I was, I felt like the surgery, it was a long surgery. I think it was in there for seven or eight hours, but I came out good. I mean, I felt good. I was I'm the terrible patient and I'm writing on the board, like, send me home, like, get me out of here. <laughs> like packing my stuff. My arms are like this and I'm trying to like- Your T-Rex arms and you're like, you're like, not yeah. supposed yeah. to lift anything? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I came home that day and everyone's, I'm trying to vacuum, you know, like this because you're not supposed to like move and you're all bandaged up, you know, so. Yeah, don't listen to Shannon on what she did when, <laughs> no, don't listen to her. I just was very lucky. I do well in surgery. I do well with anesthesia. I, I, I can't complain. One of the things that happened afterwards is I've gone through with a single stage reconstruction. Well, when the, what was the remaining portion of my lymph node was sent to central lab and it came back micrometastases or there was cancer cells within that lymph node. And we only tested the one lymph node. And so that kind of changed a little bit of the trajectory of my treatment because I thought, oh, I'm one and done, right? I've just right. done a bilateral mastectomy. I've done reconstruction. I feel great. And, and so this kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop because now we're talking about radiation. I was hoping to avoid it. And the standard of care is usually lumpectomy followed by radiation. Right. And so that did, I did have to radiate a brand new implant, which I don't, isn't recommended. I'm okay. I mean, do have some scarring, but I did 30, I don't know, 34, I think treatments of radiation with a boost to the nodes because I wanted to kill any cancer cells that could have been left. It really only takes one cell to proliferate. So I wanted to make sure that everything's dead and we wanted to move on from there. So, and go ahead, Shannon, do you have a question? Yeah. So when you say, just for people that are listening, when you say you did a single stage reconstruction, that's basically, you didn't have to do the Expanders. Um, you didn't do the expander because those things are god awful. And awful. most people end up having to do the expanders and go through that. And you were able to just go ahead and do the single one, stage. One and done. Right. Because we just did a smaller implant that I had before, obviously. And they, you know, you don't have any breast tissue left. It's right. just <laughs> stretched over. There's nothing. So I mean, I couldn't go very large and I wanted to make sure that they were very natural looking and smaller. So yes, I was very fortunate. And it was because that I, I had implants before. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Maybe I should have done the expanders, and because it, that most women do the expanders because standard of care is radiation. Following, I just had hoped that I wasn't going to have to, and uh, but I did, and I'm fine, and you know everything's fine. So, and um, in so hindsight, you say that because you would have done the radiation with the expanders in versus doing the radiation with the implants yes, in, because I do have a lot of scarring on my left breast, and it's it's not noticeable until I flex that muscle, and then it's yeah. it just it digs in. It's just not very pretty. I will get in fixed at some point, probably at 10 years, I'll probably go back in and see if somebody can open up that pocket and, and swap them out. But you know, it is what it is. I'm not a spring chicken. Nobody's looking at that, but <laughs> not how it is. I look at it and it bothers me. Probably nobody else would notice it, but it's something that, you know, kind of bothers me. So yeah. Yeah. I so. want to get into, so your diagnosis was the mixed ductile what? mixed ductal and lobular carcinoma. There are different and types lobular, like ductal yeah. and lobular carcinoma. And I'll tell you where the ductal comes in because when they went in 
and they pulled out my, that what was remaining, the little bit remaining. And I did have some growth underneath the implant on my breastplate, but they also found a high grade DCIS or ductal carcinoma in situ. So that was my second tumor. And had I gone and done the six, let's wait for six more months for, you know, treatment, I would have had multiple nodes involved. I would have had this second would have proliferated out of the duct and become invasive because this one, it's in the duct, it's ductal carcinoma in situ. It's still within that duct. And, and that was already a grade three. That was right around the corner from going ahead and coming out of the duct, proliferating into the outside cells. And I know that the original one would have gone to probably a bulk of my lymph nodes that are on that side. So yeah, yeah it's always like every time I hear about multiple right. lymph nodes being removed, I'm like, oh, like, I know. It's just, it's, it, but keep in mind, that was the standard of care, you know? Yeah. It, it's right now in all of the, I go to all of the conferences and it's a big push with the breast surgeons now at how little can we do and still get good outcomes to the patient, still get the information. You know, the lymph nodes are gaining that information on how aggressive has this cancer spread? How far has it gone? And so it's, it is, it's important to get at least a sentinel node or a couple of nodes, but they need to know how many, because having three positive nodes versus having seven to nine positive nodes is a complete different diagnosis. It's a complete different standard of care for those patients. Right. So, Treatment plan for sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I have, I have a friend who is actually just newly diagnosed as well with DCIS. She does have implants, but she's in the childbearing years and yeah. she really does not want to, she's trying to do the homeopathic route and really trying to get away with not doing the radiation because she doesn't want to put that into her body. So it's a really, it's like a tough call because, you know, you want to, you want to do the best thing for you, but what is the best thing? Like without but if doing she, any harm, it, you know it what depends. I mean? Like if she has a highly estrogen receptor, positive cancer, hundred percent, and she gets pregnant, right. And estrogen is pumping through your body. That cancer is going to gobble it up and it's going to grow. It's going to proliferate. It's going to become invasive cancer and it could possibly go to her nose. You know, I, I would recommend lumpectomy and radiation. Isn't that bad? I mean, to be honest, the radiation, the worst part was having to go every single day and having to go as somebody like me, where I felt like I was young, right? Sitting there with probably the average age of the people that were with me every day were probably 80 years old. And I remember looking around thinking, I belong here. Right. Like, look at me. I look like I have cancer. This is, this right? is not you my know? party. <laughs> I, I should have this party. And that was the hardest part is just having to get up and go, but it's super easy. And, and, and for the record, like, as we said, Shannon is not your average normal human being because she literally would go to work and be like, oh, I have to go to radiation, pop into radiation, be like, okay, back to work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's me. I, you know, I'm not going to go home and lay around. And I was one that got up afterwards and you're, that like you as well, Shannon, and really worked and made sure I had mobility in my chest. And, right. And so many women are like, oh my gosh, I had surgery and I can't move my arms. Well, then you're in deep doo-doo four to six weeks later when you cannot move your arms. You have right. to do prescribed mobility, you know, and and make sure that you get yourself back to, you know, your starting phase. That's what they all want. That's what we all want is to be back to normal, right? Right. Be back, be back to the pre-cancer. Pre exactly. My pre-cancer yeah, pre body. Cancer. Now yes. that menopause has hit, I don't feel it. I, I really would love yeah. my pre-cancer body. Menopause is not <laughs> nice. Not, yes. For me, uh, you know catapulted into menopause because I had highly, like my estrogen was 88%. My progesterone was 38%. So I had a highly ear positive cancer. So, you know, it was, okay, we're going to start you immediately into Zolodex or, or a blocker 
for your ovaries, ovarian blocker, and then we're also going to stick you on an astrazole. So I've been on that for almost eight years and it's not nice, but it is what it is. I'd much rather be alive and it stopped, you know, like I said, it takes one cell to proliferate. I'd much rather be compliant and be here for my grandkids right. than worry about side effects. Side effects, it's just temporary. I'm doing 10 year, but it is, you know, it's 10 years of my life and I'm willing to do it, you know. And so I have 10 more years. Yeah, exactly. So for those that are listening, I also want to preference that Shannon is very articulate in speaking about what she speaks about because she is in the medical field and she's been in the medical field for a very long time. So she can remember everything that she's doing, all the medications that she's taking, because this is her world and her life day in and day out. So when you listen to this and you're like taking notes or like, what, what did she say? Why is she like, she knows like a matter of fact, like what, you know, what everything is even this far out. It's because this is her normal conversation every single day. So I want to take a break just for a second for our sponsored ad. And then I want to come back because I really want to dive deep into this whole archetype thing that I've talked about and it is your daily world. So we will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by the Shannon Burroughs Real Estate Group, where we are committed to changing the world one smile at a time and giving back to breast cancer and our communities. Did you know that Shannon Burroughs, our founder and lead realtor, is a breast cancer survivor? Shannon found her purpose at the intersection of passion and pain while navigating her own journey and wants to give back and help others. At the Shannon Burroughs Real Estate Group, we're dedicated to providing exceptional service to our clients while also making a positive impact in our community. For every home sold, a portion of our commission goes towards supporting breast cancer organizations to help women on a local level and be a resource through their journey. We believe that everyone deserves a safe, comfortable, and happy home, and we're here to help make that a reality. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing in a real estate, we'll be with you every step of the way. And when you're working with us, you will not only be supporting your own goals, but also helping others through their breast cancer. So cheers to the Shannon Burroughs Real Estate Group, where you can trust that your dreams and values are in good hands. No matter where you live, we can help you. Visit our website at shannonburrows.com or give us a call today at 561-494-6389 to learn more. All right. Welcome back. Yes, that is Briley doing our sponsored ad and got to keep that kid in check, you know? Got to keep, keep, right? <laughs> keep him working. Start him young. Anyway, so we are back here with Shannon Haynes. She is a single breast cancer survivor with two cancers at one time. So Shannon is here with us talking to us about her journey, but also going to dive into the Oncotype testing, which is what I've talked about when I talk about my journey. And I always try to recommend to people if they get the opportunity to ask their doctor for this Oncotype test, because it was really what helped me make my decision on the way I followed through with my diagnosis and my treatment plan. Now you had your two, you had your lobular and you had your DCIS. I just had DCIS, but because my Oncotype test came back high. Yours was high. You were very high. Yeah. Thanks to Dr. Shapiro. And thanks to you, you know, came back super high. And at the age I was, I was like, done, like just take them, not interested in, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so let's dive deep into the Oncotype test and what that is and who's a candidate for it. How can someone ask to get that test, what it will help them with and things like that. So it's all you. Okay. So Oncotype DX, and I'm going to tell a little quick story on so I had an oncotype. My oncotype was a 16. At that point, we had a low, intermediate, and high scores. And I was not working for the company. The girlfriend that helped me get my oncotype calls me two years later and says, hey, I need your resume. 
because I've been promoted and you need to come interview for my position. <laughs> and here I am. So God had a plan for me with that for sure. But so the, what, what the Oncotype DX score is a genomic assay. And I want to differentiate genetic, which is germline that your parents and your grandparents and everybody passes down those mutations, like your BRCA's and your, oh God, whatever there's all of the mutations. There's so many, there's hundreds right. and hundreds and hundreds of mutations. What we do with Oncotype DS is genomic testing. So what we do is we get a little piece of that cancer because whenever you go in and they take out the blood, whatever it is, whatever kind of tissue, whether it be a needle biopsy, which isn't always great because there's may not be a lot of cells, but and they hurt. Yeah. And, they hurt. <laughs> and think about it, needle, you know, we need certain amount, we need like certain amount of cells and a certain amount of tumor to test. And sometimes it doesn't happen all the time, but if we do get a failure with an oncotype, it's because we don't have enough cancer. But typically we'll, most of the time, we'll get a little piece of your surgical specimen. And we have a 21 genes that we tested against. And in our genes includes like ER and PR. And it usually takes about anywhere from 10 to 14 days to get the results. And what we're gonna give you is we're gonna give you a score. And your oncotype score can be anything from a zero up to a hundred. And the lower the score, the better, the higher the score, the higher risk your cancer is, and the more treatment that you'll probably need. We are the gold standard with all of the guidelines, mainly NCCN and ASCO. So most physicians are going to order an oncotype DX test for early stage estrogen receptor positive or the ERPR, progesterone receptor positive and the HER2 negative. But if somebody's got HER2 positive or triple negative, those are higher grade cancers, a little bit more aggressive and they're gonna unfortunately have to get a little bit more aggressive treatment. One thing that Oncotype DX does is it helps find those patients that can safely avoid chemotherapy and have the same kind of outcome that they would get with endocrine therapy, which would be you're cutting off your hormones, basically cutting off your estrogen. And it's amazing with no negative patients. I think the number is around 70% of women will come back and can safely 70%. That's a huge number. 70% of women can safely avoid chemotherapy and be treated just fine with endocrine therapy and, and have great outcomes, have low risk for recurrence and do perfectly well, perfectly fine. For me back in the day, we've had some changes because we've had a bunch of large scale studies so that, that it kind of changed our cutoff points a little bit. We used to have a, a low intermediate and high. Now our cutoff point is 25. So if somebody has an oncotype score of 25 or lower, those scores all can safely avoid chemotherapy, especially node negative. Node positive, most of those can as well for the women that are over 50. They are finding with some younger women, there is some benefit of chemotherapy at lower scores, but we still don't know, is it because the chemotherapy shuts off their period and, and, put, it sh and shuts down their menses? We don't know if that's the reason, and there are going to be some studies starting. They're actually enrolling patients now to try to answer that question. That's the only question that hasn't been answered, but for postmenopausal women, up to three positive lymph nodes, if they get an oncotype score and it is under 25, they can safely avoid chemotherapy. And that is just amazing because 
the standard of care used to be chemotherapy. We didn't know any better. Everybody mm -hmm. felt like chemo is what we can do to treat this patient and give them the best outcomes, the best chance for survival, basically looking at survival. So Oncotype is an amazing, an amazing test. We're pretty excited. We've really launched our international platform and we have countries, entire countries, that especially that are on that type of socialized medicine, that every single female or male that gets diagnosed with an early stage breast cancer will automatically get an Oncotype DX test before any treatment will start. So it's pretty exciting stuff. That's amazing. So you had yours while you were on the surgical table, which yes, means they, you still didn't know what your treatment was going to be. No. Right. And so, and that's so, I mean, even though I am in healthcare and Shannon, you brought up about how I can talk about this, but I promise you when I was sitting in the appointment, it's like, right. <laughs> you're like, thankfully my husband went and he would like take notes because I was just, you know, it's overwhelming. And right. even though I'm in it and then my brain's going, my ADHD brain's going a hundred thousand miles an hour. And then you make the choice. Then you go home and you start getting on the internet and you're looking stuff up and you got some lady going, Oh, you can drink an elderberry shake. And it's going to no. <laughs> you know, it, there's a lot of bad information on the internet, right. unfortunately, especially for breast cancer who think that they can avoid it. I want to tell a quick story. I used to help with a young women's cancer support group where we had, I worked with a radiation oncology group and we had one patient who had come in with an early stage breast cancer. She decided she didn't want to treat. She went back to her home country of Haiti and she had a DCIS, completely treatable, did not want to do radiation, did not want to do anything. And she ended up coming back three years later with metastatic breast cancer. That would have been completely, utterly treatable. She would have been fine. She would have probably gone the rest of her life and not had another issue. So when people, when they, you get a cancer diagnosis, even the DCIS, you have to follow the treatment regimen that your physician recommends. You have to, you have to. Now, if you feel like, so if they don't order an oncotype or maybe they order another test, another assay, and it comes out high with the recommendation for chemotherapy, that might be an option to talk to your physician and say, hey, can we run an Oncotype test? Am I a candidate for it? Because we do get people all the time that want them that are not a candidate. But if you meet the criteria, it is an amazing test to have and can what really the, help. What is the criteria for getting the test? Your PR positive, HER2 okay. negative, early stage breast cancer. Okay. And, you know, we've had women with like 10 centimeter tumors. That's usually, I, I would say like five centimeters size and down. You'd be surprised that we have larger tumors and we can still test them. And I think, I think it's important to, for everybody to understand that physicians, like all that they had to go off of before we had assays like Oncotype DX that could do actual testing of that tumor is they would go over the ClinPath features of the, of the tumor. How big was it? What was the grade? And that would help guide the treatment decisions. And what we're finding is the Oncotype DX score trumps all of that. Just because somebody has four centimeter tumor with an intermediate grade doesn't mean that that's going to be a more aggressive tumor than a teeny tiny little one. Sure. And um, I have one of my medical oncologists that I called on, called me a couple months ago and she goes, Hey, I just got a patient from the surgeon. She has an oncotype when she had two tumors. They, they tested the larger tumor, right? Cause most people think, Oh, it's a bigger tumor. It's going to be more aggressive. They tested the larger tumor and it came back at like an oncotype six, like a very low oncotype score. And my physician goes, no, I want the little tumor tested as well. Little tiny tumor came back at 38. Wow. So that patient 
thought, oh, I don't need chemotherapy. But when they tested the little teeny one that everybody would think, oh, it's just a little one, it's fine. Now, highly aggressive in that patient, unfortunately, it's going to need chemotherapy. Tiny and mighty like you. Tiny and mighty. <laughs> so you can't just go off thinking, oh, well, mine's just little or, oh, it's just a little tiny little tumor. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't and know. doesn't the Oncotype test also kind of give you an idea for like the rate of reoccurrence? That's kind of what Yeah, I'm you'll thinking. get, you'll definitely get a rate for recurrence. For the DCIS test, we're going to tell you what's your 10-year rate of recurrence. And most importantly, what is your 10-year rate of developing an invasive breast cancer? As same with Oncotype DX. And I want to kind of plug another test out there. There's a test called Breast Cancer Index. It's actually one of my girlfriends is the rep for it. And we work together a lot. What's it called? Most patients are going to be put on five-year, it's called Breast Cancer Index or BCI. And most patients are going to be put on standard five years endocrine therapy, right? Tamoxifen or an aromatase inhibitor. And what we're finding is, especially for, for younger women, they might be extending that to seven or 10 years. The breast cancer index, what they do is similar to us. They get that original tissue and they test it and give you what is your extended rate of recurrence past that five years. And interestingly, mine came back higher. And so I've made that, you know, with my medical oncologist, we've made the choice to extend mine. I still had like, I want to say it was like 11.9% risk for recurrence in another five years. So we've decided to extend my endocrine therapy. I'm tolerating it. Okay. And so I'll be on an AI for 10 years and I'm coming up on year eight of that. So, yeah. So you're almost done getting there, but it's kind of weird because, and I know a lot of women like, but then what happens? Because, you know, I was catapulted into menopause and I ended up taking my ovaries out because I didn't want to do that Zolodex shot every single month. I didn't, I wasn't having babies. I was, you know, it was unnecessary, but then you know, everybody goes through menopause differently. For me, I didn't cry. I really didn't. I just was hot. Like I had hot flashes and maybe a little bit moody, but I was more like the ice queen. And so (laughs) I come off of this and I'm going to be like this crying emotional mess because I'm not like that. So that's my only fear with coming off of it is like how, how, if I have a little bit, you, you'll still, I think your pituitary gland still produces a little bit of estrogen. Like with a little bit of estrogen, is how what it's gonna be like? It scares me a little bit. <laughs> like yeah, I just did my Dutch test and like my I think my progesterone is at like 0. 0.7. Right. My my progesterone is at like 0. 0.4, and I have a plethora of cortisol sprinkled with like a little bit of testosterone. So I yeah. am like I don't even know what I am anymore. Like, am I, I still even a woman? Like, what am I? I? Know. I, know. <laughs> I can tell you that I've been in rooms. And I can look around and I'm like, I have, I can be in a room of men. And I'm like, I have less estrogen than some of the people in this room. Right. You know? so <laughs> I, I, I promise you. So, you know, that, that is a fear, but you know, it is what it is at 10 years. I'm not going to keep doing this because it does, you know, it affects your joints and sure. it, it, you know, it, it'll be nice to maybe be back a little bit, a hundred percent, you know, pre pre-cancer. So, but yes. uh, you know, so your oncotype was 16 and mine was 56. Yes. And so you were DCIS. So DCIS, the 39 to 54 really is that, that lower grade. So you were a high, it's, we did different ones like for Oncotype DCIS yeah. and Oncotype DX are a little bit different, but yeah. So you were a high DCIS score. High. That's high. High. Yeah. high. So bye-bye. Right? <laughs> yeah, bye-bye. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And I was very fortunate. Mine ended up being, you know, a little bit lower. And uh, even though at the time that I was diagnosed, According to NCCN guidelines, 
micrometastases were lumped into the node negative, but now the, and they update their guidelines all the time. And so now it's been updated and micromets kind of falls into node positive, but I mean, it's still not, I felt like I had one node. It was a, probably a couple few cells and I, you know, whatever, yeah. I'm fine. And I know that like back in the day with my, the Oncotype score, they used to give you, you know, we've, we've revamped it. We've had a lot of updates to it, but they used to give you your, your benefit of chemotherapy, like exactly. And mine was like 2%. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go through chemotherapy sure. for 2% benefit. There are women that would be like, oh, absolutely. Yes. 2%. And, and that's, what's so great about this test is it really helps you. It gives you a tool to help you make your decision, make your decision yep. and feel comfortable. And that's what I think a lot of women need to, I feel comfortable with the journey that I had. And I know that I did everything that I could. And mm -hmm. I, if it comes back, it, listen, it'll come back there. I have a pretty decent chance of having a recurrence and I'll be on top of it. Cause I still get blood work and I, you know, I, I am still making sure that I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy. You have such a long history of it because I mean, theoretically, most breast cancers are like, there's a, such a small percentage that is actually genetic. Right. Exactly. And I, I, I think what, what was I going to say? Sorry. It's a long day at work, <laughs> it's a long day at work. but I think that women need to realize that you need to be an advocate for your own health, right? Yes. You need to, you Thank need you. To make sure that if you feel like you are not getting the treatment or your doctor's not listening to you or you anything it's okay to go somewhere else and get a yep. second opinion. Absolutely. Do your research, but have good quality research and make sure that you feel comfortable with the decisions that are being made about your healthcare. Now we, I have had doctors in the past say, well, I have this patient, she's got six positive nodes and then she wants an oncotype. I'm like, no, we're not validated for that. That patient is probably going to need chemo. And then and, and I had a patient go, well, what happens if I don't do chemo? I'm like, you'd have to ask the doctor, but a lot of patients may not be with us anymore. If you right. have a high risk cancer and you don't treat it with the chemotherapy, then your chances of survival aren't the best, right? Yeah, and that's this, is, this isn't a pass for you right. to like, just exactly. be like, yeah, no, not interested. Exactly. Um, this exactly. has been such amazing information. I know you're not really big on social media, but I know you that you are, I know you're really big at like being able to help in sport. I know like, obviously we live, you know, near each other. So I've been able to talk to you, but for those that may have other questions or might just want to have like some positive influence in your, your positive mojo, how can someone reach you if they just had a couple questions on things? They can email me. It's Shannon Haynes. My name spelled out S-H-A-N-N-O-N-H-A-Y-N-E-S, the number two at yahoo.com. Perfect. I'll put that in the shorts. And then yeah. I, I recommend American Cancer Society has a great site for everything. Also, Oncotype IQ, O-N-C-O-T-Y-P-E-I-Q will also, you can go and and if you want to deeper dive into the Oncotype test that we offer, anybody can go or just look up Oncotype. It's going to probably pop up, I'm sure. Yeah. Very, very popular test. There have been, I think, close to 2 million runs. So that's awesome. I've been waiting well, let's see, July, next month, July 13th will be six years of my diagnosis. So I have been waiting for, to finally be able to sit down with you and have this conversation, but we're both like so busy. It's yeah. like, how crazy is it? We live literally like 20 minutes from each other. Exactly. And like, life we're both is like, what happens, right? I know everybody out there understands life happens. You have all these plans you're going to do when you come home and you put on your walk the dog pajamas, you know, that look kind of presentable. Yeah. And then I'm usually in for the night. So ditto. For the record, we've rescheduled this interview like three times. So thank God this has finally happened. So now you have this amazing information. So please go ahead and check out the Oncotype IQ. You can email Shannon at shannonhaines2 at yahoo.com. 
for any questions. She has a plethora of knowledge and information. She does work in the medical field, so she does have a little bit of a different insight and she's happy to be straightforward and honest with you. So anyway, thank you so much, Shannon. I greatly appreciate you. All right. Love you, girl. Love you too. Have a great night. You too. Thank you for joining us on Busting Out of Breast Cancer. We hope you found our podcast informative, uplifting, and inspiring. We want to remind you that you are not alone in this fight against breast cancer. If you or someone you know needs support, please reach out to a healthcare professional, breast cancer support organization, or me. I'm always happy to listen, chat, and help any way I can. Remember, early detection is key, so please schedule your regular cancer screenings. Also, if you're in the market for a new home, looking to sell, or start investing, don't hesitate to contact me, your favorite fun realtor and podcast host. Together, we make your real estate dreams a reality and make a difference in the fight against breast cancer. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest, please reach out to us at smile at shannonbrose.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week on Bustin' Out of Breast Cancer.